Hey, all right, everyone. The newest show of Heal Thyself. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate you taking your time, spreading this beautiful message to everyone you love, everyone you don't love. Doesn't matter, but we want to make sure that everyone is learning, being empowered, being informed, and making these massive changes, right? But we start a little bit, little bit at a time, massive changes, all right? Good show today. I know that it's back to school time, whether you're being homeschooled, still back in that school mode, or going to school school. So really important for us to be empowered as to what we can do for our kids, especially if they're going to school, but also at home, how to keep them healthy or optimizing children's health in this time. Also, very, very special guest later, Matt Maruka. He is the founder and CEO of uh, Raw Optics. He's gonna tell us all about the sun. I, I guarantee you, you ain't never known about the sun until you listen to this guy. He's passionate about the sun, passionate about light, passionate about really getting our health back by connecting to nature. You will not want to miss this. This is an incredible, incredible segment that we're going to put together with him. So uh, without further ado, we're going to bind in together the Knowledge Bomb and product segment so you know one of my favorite products within this Knowledge Bomb. All right, back to school, or even if you're homeschooled, back to the school mode, and we wanna talk about some major things that we need to be doing, all right? So this is a very unique back to school, right? Um, as we know, we all are aware of the circumstances that are happening, so it may dictate whether your child is going back to physical school or homeschool, but regardless, we really wanna make sure that we're keeping our kids healthy. We love our kids, we want our kids to thrive, not only survive, but thrive and be in really good health. So a little piece. I actually was very interested in pediatrics when I went into school, and it's sort of the tentative place that I was going until I had my own life circumstances that pushed me in another uh, field. But um, what I love about children is that their, their system responds very differently than adults. They're so much more vital. They're so much more unfiltered. So really, if a child comes down with something, a lot of the time we can expect for them to bounce back even better than ever. And boy, do they respond to supplements and healthier food changes way more than adults. So um, I really think that we can go a really long way by just doing a little bit with these, with our children. So uh, let's go into some of my favorite interventions that we can do for our kids for back to school. So before I jump in, please remember, this is not medical advice. Please speak to your doctor to make sure that uh, these interventions would be safe and effective. All right, so number one, and this is everything for kids, especially when they're going to public schools, is getting them off of food coloring. You got to remember my food coloring episode for those who are listening episode to episode. Thank you. Uh, but the food coloring episode is very important if you have kids because we know that marketing companies or companies target their marketing to children, especially these high, uh, these ones with concentrated in food coloring, right? So blue number one and two, red number two, three, forty, orange B, green three, yellow five and six. These are these are issues, big time. And whoever tells you they're not, I don't know even know, if they, maybe they missed the research, but we know that cumulatively these food coloring uh, interventions in, in, in conventional food have physiological effects on the body, right? Sure, hypersensitivity, we'll see kids with that. So they'll start behaving. And I always wonder, is ADHD or, or any cognitive or behavioral issues largely attributed to the foods that we're eating. Yeah, I would say so. So it's gonna cause a lot of hypersensitivity 
or, or um, behavioral issues. We also know that it's going to cause allergies, immune dysfunction. You want immune dysfunction in this time of year? No, certainly not. Not only are we getting into the fall or quote-unquote flu season is coming, but also we know the circumstances of the world we're in right now. Also connected to tumors of the bladder, kidney, adrenal gland, brain, and thyroid. Red number three is the most implicated and probably the worst one of all. And this is the ones we see in like popsicles, candies, those maraschino cherries that I used to eat when I was little and I loved. Um, but we also see them, and this is where it really comes in with kids, is cereals, right? There, there's food coloring in so many cereals, Captain Crunch being the worst of all, right? When I was young, I was eating Captain Crunch, but also sports drinks. I remember drinking Gatorade all the time when I was running around in third, fourth, fifth grade, right? Sixth grade. So fruit juices, we also see them there. Be very careful. Canned fruits. I remember I used to eat the dull peaches, right? Candies. Boy, did I love those. M&M and Skittles are the worst ones. Some of the surprising foods, salmon, yogurts. Yogurts aren't that surprising, actually, because we know that there's the coloring. It's, it's not really strawberry. It's like strawberry food coloring, strawberry-like foods. Instant oatmeals, baked goods, salad dressings, pickles, vitamins even, the Flintstones vitamins, some gummies. Uh, protein bars, protein powders, maple syrup, applesauce, kids love that, popcorn, kids love that, some peanut butter, some gravy, some jerky, soups, toothpaste, and mouth mouthwashes. So keep an eye. Go do a little inventory of what's in your house and see if it has any of those aforementioned food coloring. And if it does, look to change it. Throw it away if you can, but look to change that and start getting better uh, substitutes, okay? Immunity, immunity, immunity. We, love, we, we need that, right? Kids' immune system are even more than us being trained. And kids are exposed to more than adults because kids are in close contact with each other. They're always playing with each other. They're rolling around in the dirt, uh, eating, eat, put it, dropping stuff, putting it in their mouth. Like These are ways we're training and retraining the child's immune system. But also, we want to make sure that we're keeping them healthy, right? Their immune system is going to be strong and robust. Exposure to microbes is important. All of us are exposed to bacteria, fungi, viruses, even parasites all the time. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing because it's training our immune system. They're living in harmony, we'll say, okay? Now, when it's when the immune system is broken down or it's depleted, uh, we're not giving it the foods that it needs, uh, we, are, we are super stressed, that's when it really takes the toll. So for our kids, the question is, what's really affecting their immune system? Well, kids aren't super stressed unless they have a really traumatic at-home uh, at home life. But it's the food that's going to really cause a lot of the physical stress on the kid. So we're going to think about chemically-laden foods, like I mentioned the food coloring. Sugar is really important. So we got to get those snacks out, especially the worst is in public schools. A lot of these foods that they serve which is so ironic, is going to be some of the worst foods that I would never give my kids. So think about maybe doing the intervention of giving, making your kids home food, right? Um, and, but it takes a toll on your child's health. So Dr. Alana Rumel, who was on this show actually last year, you might want to listen to her. She's a pediatrician and she's really incredible. But her and I agree so much on some of the best supplements that we can give for kids. Now remember, again, not medical advice, ask your doctor about this, but one of my favorite ones, uh, prophylactically for kids or even interventionally if they're sick, is Vital Nutrients Berry Well Immune. Again, no affiliations. I'm just giving you my favorites. Well, this one I love because it has elderberry. And we know elderberry is tasty for kids. It has antiviral properties and immune-stimulating properties. It's got arabinogalactan. This is coming from the larch tree. Arabinogalactan has constituents that stimulate the immune system. Really cool. It's got some other herbs in there. Astragalus is in there helping stimulate white blood cells, and it's an antimicrobial. But here's my favorite part. You can 
you take this powder, get creative, you know, we gotta get creative with kids, you take this powder and you can make popsicles out of it, right? So you mix it with some low sugar fruit juice, you can even add some monk fruit to sweeten it, maybe stevia if the, if the kids are okay with that, freeze it, and now they have popsicles, which is helping support their immune system. It's a brilliant move that Alana, Dr. Alana Rumel put together, so thank you, Doc. What else, what are we gonna do for the immune system? Keep, make sure the kids have outdoor exposure, right? Especially in the, in the winter months, make sure that they're getting that sunlight hitting them, right? We're gonna learn more about it later in the show, but the sunlight is gonna be so important in the child's immune system, as well as their hormones, which actually play in together very nicely and elegantly. Um, in the winter months, make sure you're, uh, get, you're getting them uh, their vitamin D measured. You wanna make sure that the child's vitamin D is at a good level for their height and weight their age. So make sure if it's really low that you can supplement vitamin D. And the nice thing is you can do this through a micronutrient panel. Two of them I like is Spectracell or Genova Diagnostics. Hook up with a doctor who's trained at analyzing these and can actually say, okay, yeah, like your child's vitamin D is really low and other micronutrients, we need to replete them. This is what I do for my concierge clients. I, I work with their kids and I do tests every single six months every year to see what are they low in? And then I talk to their chefs and I go, how do we put together meals to optimize this? But you can do this with your family, right? Do, do it once a year and see where the kid stands and then optimize it with the food interventions that you can make. Their vitamin C is low, give them vitamin C rich foods. Zinc is low, get them zinc rich foods. So you can do this, check on the winter months for sure. And you may need to supplement, uh, but especially if they're in the indoor environment, you wanna make sure uh, that their, their vitamin D is optimized, especially if you're living in a place that doesn't get a lot of sun. And we know that uh, the lower the vitamin D, the, the more susceptibility there is to an infection. So two of the ones I like uh, for kids, again, ask your doctor, vitamin D by Vivo Life. That's a um, kind of tasty one. It's an oil-based one and an orthomolecular one. You can add these to a smoothie. You can even add these to a juice. Um, and I always tell, I always tell parents like, you can get in a lot of the fruits and vegetables, a rainbow of colors of fruits and vegetables in making creative smoothies. And children actually respond more than adults, maybe equal, but to, to bright, vibrant colors. So you can add things like blue-green algae, uh, you can add acai or, or uh, pataya, which is gonna make the food vibrant, but make sure you're balancing it with a good amount of fiber and some protein in there so they're not just getting a sugar bomb. That's no good, okay? Zinc, you wanna make sure that it's, uh, your doctor indicates that it's safe, but get, uh, get, get them on a dosage that is not only gonna be healing, right? Zinc is healing for wounds. Zinc is essential for proper growth and sexual maturation in kids. It's also really important for immunity, all right? And uh, we're talking about immunity and, and fighting viruses off. So it helps maintain the normal immune function, right? Just like vitamin D, but make sure you're giving your kids zinc-rich foods, right? Some of my favorite, favorite plant-based zinc-rich foods are lentils, cashews, garbanzos, pumpkin seeds. These are really, really good stuff that you can give your kids. Now, I know kids' palates are sometimes really, really narrow, so start training their palates because the more you expose, I always, man, I heard somebody, I feel like on this podcast said, kids will be very uh, discriminatory on their foods based on the choice they get. But I know, if I didn't want to eat something, and I knew that was all I was going to eat, so I had to eat it, that's all I ate, and then I got used to it. Children's palates uh, acquiesce very quickly when they go, all right, well, here's my choice. Either I'm not going to eat or I got to eat this. So I think by giving the choice, saying, hey, like, here, here's, here you go, little, little Matt, here are some garbanzos and lentils. I hate garbanzos and lentils. Then you start training them to, to have it by saying, okay, like, this is your dinner. This is what you got to eat. Um, that's how I was raised. It may not align with you, but I just know that when I knew I needed to eat something and that was what, that's all I had, I ate it. 
and I got used to it. So I ate lentils when I was little and I actually grew to like them. Uh, but garbanzos, um, zinc, so as far as zinc supplementation, I like the one by Pure. Uh, those are the zinc drops. You can put them again in fruit juice or even water. Vitamin C is going to be really important, really, really important. We all know this one, but vitamin C is especially low. We see it a lot in adults, but it can be low in children too. But the thing is about vitamin C, it's a little easier to introduce vitamin C rich foods because they're more kid friendly, quote unquote, right? They're more vibrant in color and they're a little bit more tasty for kids. They tend to be a little sweeter sometimes, a lot of the fruits. Uh, but for kids, you can get buffered vitamin C, which is going to be better. The buffered is going to, uh, a lot of kids are sensitive to vitamin C, can hurt their stomach. The buffered is going to basically buffer that. It'll protect the stomach. Um, so I like thorn, buffered vitamin C powder, orthomolecular, buffered vitamin C powder, designs for health, and mega foods. Those are some of the major ones. And you can take those powders, put them into a smoothie, put them into a, a bowl, put them into fruit juice, uh, and mix it up. But make sure you're complementing that with getting them vitamin C rich foods in the first place. Getting them guava, kiwi, citrus foods, right? Lemon, limes, oranges, bell peppers, papaya, strawberry. And it's really important because vitamin C is not only gonna be feeding the immune system, but it's also an antioxidant. And children are exposed to oxidants throughout life, especially if they're in school and they're exposed to this really crappy environment, right? Where you have food in the cafeteria that's really crappy. You know damn well schools are not health conscious, so they're gonna use really crappy paint. I remember new paint in my school, stay away from it, but you could smell it. These are all oxidants in the body. Um, a lot of cleaning supplies they use, the janitor uses. These are all things you're breathing in and your child is exposed to it. So we have to think about environmental medicine too when it comes to kids, okay? Another major important thing, your gut, your gut, your gut. Child's gut health is so, so important, really, really important, and it's one of the most vulnerable systems. Why? We're over-prescribing antibiotics, right? We love, as doctors, giving antibiotics out to children. We love that even being the first line. It's an issue, and if your doctor's doing that, think about getting another one, right? Antibiotics should be the last line of what you wanna do for kids. Your doctor should be well aware and have a tool bag of things that we can give your kid as a first line, second line, third line, making sure that we are not only helping your child by making an intervention that can fight off an infection, that's not an antibiotic. I'm not saying don't take antibiotics. I'm just saying they shouldn't be the first line and we shouldn't give them out like candy. But also ask the question, why, how can we straighten this child's body so they're not predisposed to infection in the first place, right? So think about two things, pre and probiotics. I talk about this a lot. All the moms and dads listening, think about prebiotic rich foods first and foremost, the first intervention. Now we're talking about things like chicory, onions, asparagus, maybe even more kid-friendly bananas, right? The less ripe one, but here's a little hack. You take a less ripe banana, which I know as a kid, even as an adult, I don't like it, but put it in the freezer and then you could put it in the smoothie, right? So now you're not really gonna taste, you know, how bitter a less ripe banana can be, right? The, the more unripened one. But apples, jicama, and then start thinking about how you can put it in smoothies or making them fun, right? You could put jicama, you could put some spice on it or some nut butter, same thing with apples, right? Train the kid's palate to like these foods because the prebiotic foods are gonna be so, so important in the child's health and development, right? Prebiotics. Now, if they don't like any of these, or, you, you, or another way to complement them is uh, the prebiotic powder by Claire Biotogen. That's a really nice one. It doesn't have any taste. You can add that to water. You can add it to smoothies. Um, so that's a nice prebiotic powder that I have sometimes. I use it also when I'm sick or if someone I care about is sick, we, can, we use prebiotic powders to stimulate the microbial immune system, okay? 
Probiotics, so do kids need them? Well, it depends. Um, if they're coming down with something, it may be more indicated. Um, if they have digestive issues like constipation or some diarrhea, they may need it. If they lack a diversity in their diet, they may need it, okay? Probiotics, I don't think kids need every single day. I think the prebiotics that I mentioned are more important. But for kids, think fermented foods first. The problem is they can be bitter and they can be sharp tasting, right? So a child is not going to pick up a kombucha and enjoy it. A child is not going to pick up uh, fermented pickles and eat them. Maybe your kid does. I don't know. And, and God bless your kid. But uh, I think that tempeh is a food that, that is, it's a, it's a probiotic, it's fermented, but tempeh is a more kid-friendly food because you can take that tempeh, you can cook it, and it's actually not going to kill the probiotics. It's a really amazing phenomenon because they're still, they're still there. It's, a, it's still alive. You saw the bacteria on there. And you can make like bacon like strips on it and season it and, you know, give it to your kids and it'll be like healthy bacon, we'll call it. Uh, probiotics are not a cure-all, remember that, but so think food first. But when it comes to probiotics, two of them I like are Claire. Again, Claire is really good at gut health stuff, so prebiotics and probiotics, but Claire makes one for kids with a K. Uh, and then Culturelle is probably the, it's not one of my, it's not my favorite, but it's one of the best studied ones. So I can speak about that confidently from an efficacy standpoint. Um, addressing the child's gut is going to be really important for mood and overall health. And brain. Brain, brain, brain. Kids developing brain. It needs a lot of nutrition. You want to feed the child's brain. So aside from giving them gut-supporting foods, you want to make sure you're giving them brain-supporting foods as well. Leafy greens, berries, walnuts, pumpkin seeds, avocados, turmeric as a spice, adding it to their foods, adding it to their smoothies, coconut or MCT oil, sweet potatoes, edamame, beets, fermented, uh, fermented foods, wild-caught fish. Talk to your doctor about this and see if that's, that's, they can, it's healthy for them to eat. They can eat it. They're not going to be allergic to it or whatever it may be. Just make sure, double check or the nutritionist. But these foods are going to be really important because a kid's brain is actively making those neural connections about what the world is around them. A kid's brain consumes about half of a child's energy. Half. That's incredible. So the brain is literally just sucking up all this energy to function to accommodate a child's human experience. Okay. So in addition, ask your child about or your doctor about fish oil and see if it's healthy. So you know if your if your child's not vegan, Nordic Naturals makes a good fish oil. Wiley's makes a good one. Last time I checked, Designs for Health makes a good one. All of them have good amount of EPA and DHA. And if your child is vegan, the Viva Life one is amazing. The Algae Omega, I have that one. Now, a little note before I go uh, about gummies. I'm not really a huge fan about the gummies. I mean, I think they're great. Um, I think they're great every now and then for kids. They're better than the Flintstones vitamins that I ate when I was younger, for sure. But a lot of these, a lot of time, they're high in sugar, especially simple sugars. Uh, you don't want to spike up the child's blood sugar because you know. Uh, adding that when it comes to food coloring is going to have a lot of predisposition to behavioral issues. Um, lots of gums in there and sometimes the dose of the, the, the therapy is not even high enough. The vitamin C is not even high enough. This, the fish oil is not high enough. So um, I would actually say think more about like the drops, the oil drops um, and adding them into the food that I mentioned versus the gummies. But um, there you go. Think about your kid developing brain, the gut, the immune system, and then get away those food colors. These are major things when, the, when your child is going back to school, how to keep your kid in the best healthy place to grow, survive, and thrive. All right, without further ado, I want to move into this special guest. It's going to be amazing. Matt Maruka is such an inspiring guy. I'm going to give you a little clue. He just turned 21. This is probably one of the brightest young guys I know, and he's about to drop some bombs on us.
All right, everyone, special guest. Here's why. I love the sun. He loves the sun. Matt Maruka is a founder and CEO of Raw Optics, but he's a sun extraordinaire. If you know him, then you know that he is so passionate about talking about the benefits of the sun, which is right up my alley. But also, if you don't know him, he's about to drop some bombs. Matt Maruka. Thank you very much, Christian. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's just, I'm so fascinated by you because I don't think I've ever found my match for someone who loves the sun as much as me. Well, and, and you love it. I do. I, I really love the sun, man. It's, it kind of answers uh, so many questions that I was trying to understand for such a long time about how life works and what drives bio biology, biochemistry, yeah. and everything in the body. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because you're not just like, I'm, a, I'm, not a, like, I'm not a guy who loves sun and just surfs and is out in the sun all day. You literally will hit us with some science because you love the, like, the power of what the sun does to our physiology. It's pretty cool. It's I'm, incredible. In fact, I would say that I always sunbathed throughout high school because of this knowledge that I was learning about. Mm -hmm. And then everyone would say, you know, you look like a California. You look like this and that. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, well, actually, I don't even surf. Oh, you look like a surfer. Mm -hmm. But I do the things that a surfer does without even thinking about it. Right. Because they're in the ocean. They're getting the sun. They're in the water. I was from Philadelphia, born and raised, so I had to, West Philadelphia, you know, mm -hmm. no, I had to get in the ice bath, get in the sun, and do mm -hmm. all these different things to kind of get that same effect, mm -hmm. and yet it had such a profound health impact, and it's interesting because surfers are really healthy people too, you know, in general, they, and they can't wear sunglasses while they're in the water, mm -hmm. which is one of the biggest mistakes people make, so. Ah, I got you, and, and also, if you think about it, they're, they have a, they're having a intimate interaction with nature right like the air they're breathing in the water that they're swallowing by mistake this is this is all training our gut bacteria too which is a whole nother conversation a good one for yeah sure. but a good one but to bring it back like why is the sun important to you very broad question but we'll get into it. but i just want to know why is it important to you and exposure important to you yeah, i'd say it's really important to me more than anything because sun is the driving force of all life on earth at the end of the day and the reason it really became important to me was because I was trying to figure out a lot of health issues with diet, exercise, and that kind of thing. And then I learned about mitochondria, the cellular engines in our body, which are controlled and driven by light. Mm -hmm. And so when we move to this indoor lifestyle, our mitochondria aren't able to function optimally. They're not able to carry out the process of energy production the way that they evolved. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, our organism starts to decomplexify and we start to see these health issues. And then people will say, oh, well, I think you could fix this with whether it's a vegan diet or a paleo diet mm -hmm. or a keto diet. And those things are all very useful in the proper context for the proper person, but they're not gonna solve the issue of an indoor lifestyle necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so that's when this whole world opened up to me. Wow, the light that we evolved in powered so many of our functions to become complex, and it requires those I should say those functions require the energy of the sun to maintain that level of complexity. Mm. So when we remove the light that powers those functions in our body, such as our energy production, vitamin D synthesis, natural vasodilation, mm -hmm. which happens when we go in the sun, we remove that and then we start to decomplexify because it's just like a government that has a $10 trillion tax base and all this infrastructure and programs. You cut the tax base in half, all those programs are going to go bye-bye. You know, They're going to get cut in half. And that's what happens in our body when we stop going in the sun. And mm -hmm. people don't realize that I never thought one time in my entire life till 15 when I started reading about this, that the light that I'm exposed to 
could affect my health mm -hmm. any more than it just can show me what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge, like, what? It was an aha moment for you. Pretty aha moment. And, and it's, it's powerful to think that how adaptive the body is. Give it light and it will stay complex. Remove the light, stay indoors, and it's going to go, all right, well, I'm not using it, so we are going to lose it, man. And it decomplexifies, as you said. And it's, it's, it's interesting because most of us are not only sedentary, but most of us are indoors. Wake up, get dressed, get into a car, go to work, stay at work, this is before quarantine, come back home. Uh, so what, what is it, aside from the complexity, is, is, because there's so much fear around the sun. You see what I mean? Like, how is it justified, first of all, the fear? Um, and if, if it is, then how do we negate that? What are some things that you may do to protect yourself? Totally. So is it justified? I'd say no, mm -hmm. it's not justified. You know, you and I both being sun lovers, the whole premise is that sunlight causes skin cancer, you know, and specifically that ultraviolet light causes skin cancer. And of course, if you live an indoor lifestyle and you become the weekend warrior who goes out and gets totally fried mm -hmm. on the weekends, or you live in Wisconsin and you go for a week to Miami and cook yourself every day, you're going to probably predispose yourself to all kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. Skin cancer aside, you're gonna just burn your skin and hurt. Mm -hmm. So it is justified in that sense that yes, just like anything you overdo, you can create a problem for yourself. You can kill yourself by drinking water, but that doesn't mean that water mm -hmm. kills people on a frequent basis, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it could, but you get the idea. Same thing with any food you can overeat like food isn't necessarily bad for you although many foods are but overeating makes it bad for you mm -hmm. you know so in the same way it's like sunlight has all this potential to allow us to be optimally healthy and to function properly and so to say that even little bits of sun cause cancer is essentially ridiculous yeah. and so you know there's a lot there and i don't want to get into all of it mm -hmm. but the key purpose for people to understand is that light drove evolution and still does you know all the food we eat all the energy that we take into our body is ultimately coming from light light and electromagnetic energy from the earth's magnetic field as well so when we say that the sun causes skin cancer what we're effectively saying is that the driving force of all life on earth that causes life causes cancer and that just really doesn't make sense if you really think about it it's much more likely and the evidence supports this too, that the things that we're doing in our modern world are causing our body to respond to the stimulus of the light in such a way that it appears that the light caused cancer, when in reality it's these disconnects we've made. And a simple way to express this is looking at the rate of skin cancer before people move to a fully indoor lifestyle and after. And it's significantly lower and it's actually skyrocketing in the last 30 to 50 years and even in the last 10 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. And yet people are spending less and less time in the sun than they ever have, wearing more and more sunglasses, more and more sun, uh, sunscreen, and yet skin cancer rates are skyrocketing and they're not going down. Mm -hmm. So that's is a key sort of misconception and people need to be made aware of, of that it's not really accurate. Yeah, you made it very uh, eloquent too and easy to understand. And this is not to mention the standard American diet and what that does when your body's in an inflammatory state. Again, it appears that the sun is a driving force for it. The oxidation from the sun could be driving it if you're, if you're, the whole climate of your body is predisposed to that, if you're mm -hmm. in an inflammatory state. Absolutely. And this is sort of what I went at when I did my sun show, is does the sun cause cancer? Well, no, 
it causes cancer in a body that is predisposed to the cancer by virtue of being indoors, not exposing ourselves to the sun and the diet. Cause, cause when you have an adequate amount of antioxidants in the body, especially even vitamin C is one of the biggest protectants against sun oxidation, mm. which is a powerful thing. So like we have to start thinking about like what, how our body's functioning on the inside instead of being like, oh no, it's so reductionist to be like the sun causes cancer, therefore stay away. Oh yeah, by the way, we evolved with the sun. Yeah, it's really tough. There's so many things. It's, it's like, a tough thing to swallow when I hear that. Whew, it's like saying, for example, you have a house soaked in gasoline, you soaked your house in gasoline, and then the house burns down and you're like, oh, there was a spark, it burned my house down. It was mm -hmm. the spark. It's mm -hmm. like, you kind of soaked your house in gasoline first. It yeah. wasn't really the spark. Yeah. The spark wouldn't have done so much if it wasn't for the gasoline. Um, you know, for example, the circadian rhythm is another really important thing that's driven by sunlight. It's like we know, you know, without any shadow of doubt, even the Nobel Prize in 2017 in medicine was given for the discovery of the circadian mechanism in living organisms or the elucidation of how the mechanism works, I should say. And that is so fundamental to everything in our body. It's like our body is like this giant orchestra, right, with all of these pieces, but way more pieces than any of the largest orchestras ever played. And every single one of those functions, reactions, hormonal processes, they all need to be timed. You know, if everything was happening in some random flow, it wouldn't necessarily work. It'd be like UPS if their software stopped working. And so, you know, truck would arrive to deliver packages to a plane and the plane's gone or the plane's ready to go but none of the trucks have arrived yet or the plane arrives and the warehouse is full. It's like if everything wasn't moving properly with timing, it wouldn't work. And that's all driven by circadian rhythms in the master clock in our SCN in the brain. Mm -hmm. It's driven by peripheral clocks in every organ and every single cell follows the circadian rhythm. Every single gene is linked to a clock gene. There's good data on that as well. So that's all set by the sun. Mm -hmm. So for people to come along and say, oh, the sun causes cancer and you should never get any sun. Well, it's like, if that were true, which it isn't, you still need sun in the morning and the evening to set your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. We actually need it in the middle of the day and later for vitamin D and all these other mm -hmm. things too. But so it's just, there's so much there. Um, and it's just amazing how the studies that were done in the 30s and the 50s and so on showing, you know, with an artificial ultraviolet lamp, burning animals over and over and over again and saying, oh, UV light causes skin cancer. Our isolated UV light on an animal that oftentimes were nocturnal animals, not as developed for the sun, in a lab where most of their life was under artificial light, UV light causes skin cancer so that sun is bad for humans is right. like the conclusion. It's pretty off base. It's pretty off say. base for sure. And 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 I love that you, you bring the science into it and that's why I brought you here, man, because yeah. it's like, it's easy to say someone loves the sun, but it's it's more powerful to say how the sun is a lot more safe and effective and meaningful to life and health. Um, and the circadian rhythm is everything. Shoot, like I'll talk to people about morning cortisol. You want your cortisol to burst up in the morning. Well, you need that window and that window, the cortisol awakening response happens like 30 minutes within the time you wake up. So what do I do? As Soon as I wake up, I'll go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, fill up some water, drink some water, and then I'll make my morning matcha. This is already within like 15 minutes of waking up. My morning matcha is being made. Then I step outside barefoot. The sun is perfectly shining right there. And I'm in the sun for like 10 minutes shirtless. I'm still in my morning underwear. Awesome. Like a crazy man. My neighbors look at me. But yeah. it's like that, the, like the skin exposure is important, right? Like what, what, 
how, let's say someone's just hearing this and they're like, okay, well, I can go in the sun, but how much of my skin do I have to expose? Is it, a, is it fine to have a t-shirt and shorts or, you know, like, that's a really is there a percent question. that we have to? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So from my experience, this is something that shocked me actually, as I learned more and more about it. It's actually the eye that matters the most for sun exposure because the skin is more of sort of a protective um, div divider, I guess you could say, between us and the outside world. And yes, it has mechanisms to assimilate light and we should get the light on our skin. But the key thing is that the eye is the master sensor for the entire environment. So there's a really good book from the late 1900s, so I guess not, not that long ago, more like, I think it was 50s, 60s, but uh, this guy named Fritz Hallwich, German researcher, compiled all the data from the last 100 years before him on how light through the eye affects our metabolism. It's called the influence of ocular light perception on metabolism in man and animal, for any sciencey person who wants to pick it up. It's a compilation of these studies and every single organ system in the entire body, the liver, the kidneys, the circulatory system, the brain, all of them are markedly changed when light perception through the eye is either normal or hindered. So for example, in the case of someone with cataracts, which lower the amount of light that's able to pass through to the retina. People with cataracts have all sorts of abnormalities in their hormones, in their metabolites, in their urine, in their, uh, in their blood, neurotransmitter metabolites. All of these things are, they're markedly affected when someone had a cataract versus when in the study he would take the cataracts out and not replace it with a lens at first. And then these people's light perception in their eye was naturally restored and their hormones were all generally come back much closer to normal. They might not have been perfect, mm -hmm. but it was a very fascinating body of work that he was analyzing. And so again, the main takeaway is that people think, oh, I need it on my skin, but really the key is to get it on the eye uh, as much as possible, which just means being outdoors. And if you can take your shirt off, it is a huge additional benefit, especially for vitamin D production. Mm -hmm. That's where you really wanna get your skin exposed to mm -hmm. make the maximal amount of vitamin D and to get the vasodilation. So. For example, a mentor of mine who's a big sun guy, he always says you want to have skin in the game. You know, mm. So yes, you get your eye, that's the key. But to your point, I'd say as much skin as possible. Like for example, there's good evidence that red light, which is a huge component in the sun, on testicles increases mm -hmm. testosterone production mm -hmm. by up to 300%. Mm -hmm. And it's more like, I don't think of it as an increase, it's more like we're 300% below where we should be if we lived in nature and mm. we were exposed to the sun on our skin and on our junk, basically. That's a good point. That's a good point. What is really the increase, just something that we should normally be functioning at? Yeah. Because we have to think about how we evolve. We evolved being out in the sun most of the day and sometimes exposing our genitals to the sun. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. Which is, which is amazing thought to have. I read that a while ago. And, yeah. and, you know, I have the red light, but, you know, when I'm out in the sun reading a book, I'm just like, all right, maybe I'll just take these off for a little bit. Yeah. I do. And I told you, I, my, I absolutely think my neighbors think I'm a crazy hippie man, which is great. That's, that's yeah, amazing. Exactly. But, but I want to be normal. I, exactly. You don't want to be normal. But wow, that's so interesting of a point because every time I read studies, I'll be like, wow, it raises this by this percent. Yeah. But something that nature is giving us, maybe, just maybe that percent is our normal. Mm -hmm. It's very, very well put. Which is wild. I love how you made the point. So the eyes are the key. So is this what led you to do your business with Raw Optics is, is uh, 
basically having the elegant dance of like when to block sun or when to not block sun, when to block light, when to not block light. So how, can you explain like where these come in? Because I speak about blue blockers a lot. Yeah. So yeah. I want to know more about them. Absolutely. Well, so one other thought um, from that book before is that people know that there's these uh, sort of animals, I think like certain types of salamanders that actually change colors when they're in a different environment. And one of the studies that was very cool was that they would put the salamander in like a black background, but only where their eyes were in a black background. And the whole thing would adjust to that black background, even if, um, well, how can I say? A, a better way of putting it is that when their eyes were covered, they wouldn't adjust to the new environment. So it's the light coming through their eye that would cause them to shape shift, mm -hmm. shall we say, mm -hmm. you know, change their color, again, based on the light that's coming in through their eye. And that's not exactly what happens with us. It kind of does slowly through the production of melanin. We actually do change our skin tone. It, again, it's much more slow than a quick salamander. But um, that is, and I don't even know if salamander is the right animal, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows what I'm talking about mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's just a bit of a furthering of that point so people can get a bit of a visual. You know, light comes through the eye. It stimulates the brain, which is kind of the master controller of the endocrine system and all these other things. So to your question, you know, when I learned this, it was like, okay, well... The sun's good for me, so I want to get up and watch the sunrise because that first, you know, I was on Santa Monica Beach today facing back towards the land and the sun's rising and mm. it's amazing. But that first 15 to 30 minutes of the golden light really has a profound impact on the circadian rhythm. You know, you can still get the light later in the day, but there's this uh, ancient practice, I'm sure you've heard of sun gazing, mm -hmm. where the ancient Indians, they knew that light through the eye was such a powerful way to stimulate the circadian rhythm, and they didn't even maybe know what the circadian rhythm was. They knew that it increased the uh, function of the pineal gland, in other words, the third eye, and elevated consciousness, right, mm -hmm. because it's impacting these systems. So that's something that I recommend people doing. And then watching the sunset is also good for the same reason, but the opposite. It's getting you more asleep rather than awake, you know, mm -hmm. saying, okay, nighttime. And then, of course, the questions that started to arise were, well, how is artificial light? affecting our body, you know? Sunlight's good, it powers all these things. Man-made light is a totally different spectrum than natural sunlight. And I actually brought some um, little gizmos that I could demonstrate with whenever okay. we want to, but basically full-spectrum sunlight looks a certain way, which I'll, I'll actually demonstrate here. I'll nice for all the for camera. all the viewers, we got some good stuff. Yeah, we've got some for and, the viewers. Yeah, and we'll put and we'll put it on uh, uh, my story too, so we can. Um, for people who are listening. Yeah, people who are listening, so, you'll be so, able to see pictures. So something. what I see is a device in your hand. It's a okay. device called, it's a spectrometer or a digital light meter. So basically what I'm going to do is take this cap off. It's calibrated now. and I'll hold it up to the camera so you can see it. So I'm going to point it towards natural daylight. And it's going to show you that's basically the, the spectrum of light that we're getting right now, which okay. is, it's pretty continuous spectrum. It's actually funny though, because we're under this thing. I wonder how it's affecting us, but... If I point it that direction, yeah. So it's a really, really good lighting. We have a full continuous spectrum, and we actually have this red, um, this red light, which is really high, which means we're getting a lot of infrared. So that's really good. A lot of infrared, okay. Um, and so you can see anyone here. This is a continuous spectrum, and there's a ton of red and infrared in this. Mm -hmm. And now what I can do is show it on my phone. I'm going to turn off my night shift mode, which reduces the blue light that I'm getting. I'll actually shine it there. So if you see that. So that's a completely different mm, spectrum. It's, not, yeah, not a lot of red, a lot of blue. It's I see. a lot of blue and not a lot of red. So exactly. So the blue in the sun is always balanced by a lot of not just red, but infrared, especially near infrared, which is what all these cool saunas are starting to give people near right. and far. 
And so long story short, the near infrared offsets the risks of blue because blue is more, let's say, oxidative. It's, it's kind of closer, much closer to ultraviolet, mm -hmm. high energy, uh, oxidative, and mm -hmm. so on. But the way I explain it is that blue light from the sun is good. You know, people say, do you want to wear blue blocking glasses to block blue light in the sun? I say, no, blue light from the sun sets our circadian rhythm. It drives through that a ton of important processes. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it does a lot of other things as well. But one of the um, ways to put it is that blue light from the sun is kind of like a virus and near infrared light and the red component of the light, you know, red, infrared, near infrared, is like the immune system. When you have a healthy immune system, so like a lot of infrared light, mm -hmm. that blue light, that virus, can actually be beneficial because it makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. So blue light from the sun is actually good for us because it's packaged the way it needs to be, and so we can actually get stronger from it. You know, it's like a little bit of a harmful stimulus on the body can actually yeah. allow you to be stronger, yeah. right? You remove that immune system, you remove the red and the infrared light, and all of a sudden that virus, which isn't that strong, will literally kill you in a second. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You just can't fight it at all. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens when you have blue light from a screen, just like we were showing on the iPhone screen, without the red and the infrared light. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes imperative to actually protect from the blue light. And uh, there's a really cool researcher for people who want more knowledge on this named Alexander Wunsch. He's over in Germany, and he's one of the people who I learned a ton um, from about this subject mm -hmm. and he highly advocates he says if you're indoors you're behind windows you're on a screen device you need to block the blue range and so that's why I use blue blockers you know and during the day we have a yellow lens that blocks the majority of the blue light spectrum and that's going to protect the eyes protect our hormones and so on from this disruption and from the oxidative damage and so on like it's been showed that just blue light exposure increases reactive oxygen species production mm -hmm. in the mitochondria because of the way it affects mitochondrial energy production and then and then that these one is are our night. night lenses so these block not just all the blue to protect your eyes but even into the green spectrum of light because there's some evidence that green light also is active on the circadian rhythm mm -hmm. much more than the warmer colors of fire the rest of the spectrum is orange red and yellow yeah these don't really affect the circadian rhythm i mean in any uh, any light really will, but it's like a, it's a huge difference. You know, a little bit of blue affects a lot, and a ton of red affects the circadian rhythm very little. Mm. So these are sort of that step, like kind of like level two. You know, these pack more of a punch as far as making you really tired. So that's that's what the glasses are all about. But more to the again to your question, the reason I was into it was like, okay, sun is good for us. Artificial light is disrupting our hormones and these biological processes. We get outdoors more, but what about when the sun goes down, the lights go on, and everyone's exposed to bright light? That's disrupting the circadian rhythm. It's mm -hmm. been shown over and over and over again. Of all the things that we've spoken about, the one thing probably that has the most science behind it is that blue light at night disrupts our melatonin production, mm -hmm. and that's one piece of our circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. You disrupt your melatonin, that's the number one most important antioxidant molecule mm -hmm. based on my research. Um, and I believe the cumulative research out there for repairing our body. Mm -hmm. That's why it's always coupled with sleep mm -hmm. and specifically for repairing mitochondria, for repairing damaged mitochondrial DNA that accrues mutations throughout the day, throughout mm -hmm. the process of energy production. So if the melatonin level is lowered, even if it's by 10, 20 percent, it's the, the best evidence today is that for every hour you're exposed to for example, a screen or bright artificial light after sunset, melatonin is reduced by about 22%. So you're looking at three, you know, compared to where it should be rising. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at three hours on a screen after the sun goes down yeah. for your average person, mm -hmm. to be honest today, two or three hours, like that's 60 plus percent melatonin yeah. suppression. It's pretty huge when you think that that's one of the most important things for keeping us young. Like we are born here and we die here. 
and each day we go a little closer to death and mm -hmm. then we sleep and we get a little closer back to life. And the difference in what we're able to repair in a day is basically the process of aging. It's like you're just accelerating that if you're suppressing your melatonin. So to me, it's so simple, such a low hanging fruit that people aren't looking at and it allows people to get so much more from all the time and effort they're putting into their diet, they're putting into their exercise. You can maximize all the results there so much more with such a simple thing like a circadian rhythm reset. Basically. Amazing intervention too, cheap. And all you oh, have to yeah. do is literally grab something and put them on your eyes. I know a thousand percent, shadow of a doubt, is that when I don't have my blue blockers on, I'm up to like 132. When I do, I'm tired by like 11. I was like, oh my God, these, they're like, make me tired. They're literally like my nightcap. They are, And I yeah. put them on because I know that I'm not being stimulated. It's wild. and It's so funny, but it's to, true. To speak about melatonin, it's one of our number one anti-cancers. Like, this exactly. is something that is like surveilling cancer cells and healing us at night. It's pretty incredible what melatonin does. It stimulates the immune system. Um, but to think that like something like blue light, like your phone at night or you know, your favorite TV show at night can be affecting your health, like can actually be predisposing you to cancer. Like watching friends at night without blue blockers exactly. can be predisposing you to cancer. Very much You don't so. make that connection. It's so funny that it's, it's barely even known about. So here what I'll do just to, because I, I didn't give the full demonstration, I'm going to show the, uh, I'll turn it over to the camera as well. But so I'll show that uh, phone spectrum again um, here. And that's pretty cool. But then I can show you actually how the lenses block, because I don't think I've ever shown this to you. So could you hold this here? Yeah. Just like that, so that's the phone light. Now, so now I'm holding the phone. Yeah, you hold the phone, and I'm gonna pull up the day lenses. And what you're gonna see is that this blue light spike is gonna disappear. So here, I want okay. you to see the, the live change. I'm gonna put the lens in front of it, here, and you can see that as it disappears right now. Okay, so we have the reader, the lens between the reader, and the you phone see, here. You yeah. see that? So and the, the blue light went the down. The blue light just actually completely goes away from an LED screen, so that's really cool. And now the night lenses, just to give people an idea, those are going to get rid of that green spike as well, which is, again, what gives them their unique colors that they're blocking that light. So here, one more uh, little demonstration. So you see that? Yeah, so it's So changed. basically, we get rid of that spike. We leave a little bit of green light, so you could still, for example, drive with them if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Although, I, I'm, for reasons I'm about to share, I will, uh, I'll recommend against that, do that. That yeah. through? All right, cool. So, so anyhow, um, that's that's a really cool thing. People can actually see that there is a change in the spectrum, and that's where the effects change our physiology. That's where that physiological effect comes from, is just changing the spectrum of light. Everyone knows you go outside on a sunny day, and your mood just gets boosted. You know, it's because of that action of the light through the eye, stimulating serotonin. Yeah, your serotonin. And I notice because I'm not always super hungry when I'm in the sun. Yep. And it's because serotonin's so high, it's going to be suppressing your hunger. Yeah, well, that's an interesting conversation. Absolutely. Um, what I just wanted to say to your point about blue blockers is I'm driving up from San Diego last night. I'm living down in Encinitas. And as soon as the sun goes down, well, actually, I should say about 20 minutes after it goes down, because it's starting to get dark now, and the, the car headlights are now getting brighter than the skylight. And that's when I say, okay, the skylight's going down. I want my brain to know it's dark. I throw on my yellow glasses because mm -hmm. I don't want to drive with my orange night glasses mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I'll dark. get tired really quick. Yeah. yeah. So I throw them on and I'm good. I'm, I'm cruising. I put on my orange glasses because I was getting closer to LA and I was like, okay, yeah. I think I can put them on by now because I'm, you know, 20, 30, I'm passing Redondo and mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Put them on, dude. Within 10 minutes, I was like almost falling asleep at the wheel. Oh, it was whoa. so bad. It's I'm like, so strong. Yeah. And I have, well, especially because when you're driving, you're not 
physically stimulated much. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a meditative state. So you couple that with these glasses and I could, I've never felt the effects of my own product more <laughs> than when I was either on an airplane or in a car. Mm -hmm. You literally just start passing out and I just switched back to the day glasses to let that green light come back through to wake me up. Mm -hmm. But previously I've gotten so tired I had to take them off entirely and get the circadian rhythm disruption just to stay awake while I'm driving because man they knock you on your ass. I love so, that. Before we get to the energy part I want it so we yeah. have the day ones just to summarize so we, yeah. we all understand the day ones are like a yellow lens that we see for the people who couldn't see mm -hmm. it and that is to block the blue light Mm -hmm. But we don't wear those in the sun. Do we? Exactly. In the sun, we it's take those off. We let the sun hit you us. You want to let the sun hit your uh, hit your face. Yeah. I recommend actually avoiding using um, sunglasses and minimizing like contacts. For example, do you have contacts? Yeah, I do. So exactly. Sometimes I recommend. Well, not sometimes. I generally recommend minimizing contacts mm -hmm. simply because they also affect the ultraviolet spectrum, and that can have consequences on the body. I was thinking about that. I was like, God, I wear contacts every day, but yeah. I'm in the sun, and I'm looking at the sun. I'm like, wait, these contacts are kind of messing up the spectrum. Yeah, they do. And they do. They, they do. They, they affect the UV spectrum. And, and the other thing is that they also affect the oxygen getting to the cornea mm -hmm. because the cornea, the surface of the eye, is one of the only tissues, I believe the only tissue in the body, that gets its oxygen directly from the air. Oh. It doesn't have a blood supply um, because it's touching the air. And then I'm not really sure how it does, what it does at night when the eye is closed. That's but. incredible. I, 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 God, I was thinking so about like maybe, I should bag. Get, yeah. maybe I should get LASIK then. You know? Yeah, maybe well, that's another off. interesting question. So I would recommend neither of the two. I would recommend... Um, well, first of all, LASIK, and this is something that there's not a ton of research on it. I'd like there to be more, but Dr. Cruz, who's a mentor of mine, Dr. Mm -hmm. Jack Cruz mm -hmm. in the light field in mitochondria, he, uh, he, being a neurosurgeon and knowing the medical field, he cautions against LASIK simply because there's another type of uh, photoreceptor in the eye called neuropsin, mm -hmm. which is a UVA photoreceptor, and UVA is part of what contributes to all of these effects of sunlight, the hormones, serotonin, neurotransmitters, all these things. And so... When a doctor does LASIK, um, they aren't, most of these doctors aren't aware of the existence of neuropsin. And so when they're basically doing their laser incisions in the eye, he explained to me that there's a, an, a very possible, a realistic chance, I'd say a high chance or at least a very realistic chance, one you wouldn't want to play with, um, that they can actually damage neuropsin and you would have really no way of knowing that that has been done. So you could be seeing, or one could be seeing the kind of consequences of that throughout their life from a metabolic perspective because of the damage to the eye. Whoa. Again, it's not, it's not like there's a bunch of studies on it because who would be funding them, honestly? Um, and it's not something that there's, yeah, again, there's not a lot on it, but I recommend Dr. Cruz's advice enough and his knowledge and uh, understanding of the anatomy of the eye and these things enough that I would be careful with, with LASIK. I usually recommend people read a book called uh, Take Off Your Glasses and See by a guy named Jacob Lieberman, who's a leading researcher in the effects of light and sunlight mm -hmm. on the body. And he has a couple other books, um, really great books. Light, Medicine of the Future is, is his first book. And then another one more recent is called Luminous Life, which is more focused on spirituality. And it's so funny because it lines up so amazingly with the teachings of the Eastern masters, yeah. even though it's this Western sort of doctor scientist. But the point of that is that he, and this is relevant to a lot of people who wear glasses. He, th I thankfully didn't have um, visual issues. You know, I've had gut issues, allergies, all the stuff that got me into this, but didn't have the eye issues. But if I did, I would be trying to solve it by getting more sunlight 
um, in a targeted fashion, especially in the morning and the evening. Yeah. I would be focusing on eating you know, a healthy supply of omega-3s, mm -hmm. whether it's coming from seafood or it's coming from other sources that are plant-based. Mm -hmm. Either one could work if you're getting it in the right way. Um, and, and antioxidants. And kind of antioxidants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and exercises. You know, not wear, like For example, I would probably do a, a quarter prescription down every three to six months. I really don't know what that would feel like because I haven't tried it. But I would assume that something like that, a quarter to a half of a diopter mm -hmm. lowering, that way your eye is going to have to actually start exercising. And Yeah, and, yeah. and literally eye exercises, yeah. just, just strengthening the muscles around it. So, so, that's so now I'm inspired one. to take off my contacts, yeah. and I'm pretty blind without them, so I can see myself like walking into rocks and stuff, but, <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm inspired. And actually, I didn't think about LASIK until like recently. I'm like, maybe I should get it. But uh, thanks for telling me that. That's, that's powerful yeah. to hear. So... Um, so no contacts, make sure your eyes hitting the sun. And no sunglasses, especially. That's, no sunglasses. That's so this is the major. key one because UV, there's a really good study. It was from 2003, but that UV light coming through the eye stimulates the, increases the production of alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone. Mm -hmm. So it also known as alpha MSH. And for people, that's some science -y talk. Melanocyte stimulating hormone basically means it causes your skin to make more melanin. Mm -hmm. It causes your skin to make melanocytes, which make melanin. So if that stimulus is... I guess stimulated by the light passing through the eye, unfiltered, the ultraviolet B light specifically, which is blocked by, mm -hmm. by contacts and by sunglasses generally. Not 100% necessarily by contacts, although it depends on the brand, right? But um, if you're blocking that, you're predisposing yourself to skin cancer in your skin more because the protective stimulus is coming through the eye and then signaling to the skin. You're getting rid of that protective stimulus and then you're gonna have potentially problems. So sunglasses so, may indirectly predispose you to skin, skin cancer. cancer. I would say so, and that would be, in my mind, a much greater contributor to skin cancer than sunlight. Than the sun itself, yeah. And also, I would say artificial light. You know, people spend years, and this was actually known about in the past, was that people who work under fluorescent tubes would actually get skin cancers in the place. Like, it's, why do people think that the sun that we evolved under, that literally, I mean, think about this, like. The sun drove the evolution of the skin. It's not like it just kind of happened magically. It's like, same with our eye. It's kind of like if you imagine a tree that grows towards the light. It's like, essentially all of our physiology evolved towards the sun. Like the concept of vision, our concept of what we see as a reality of the world is predicated on the existence of the light of the sun. Mm -hmm. And our eye evolved to capture the wavelengths of the sun. It'd be like, you know, if, for example, it'd be like blaming... Blaming the sun for cancer and these issues is kind of like blaming God for your problems. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, okay, you, you know, because God, say, if you believe in some kind of God or higher power or the universe, you could say, created everything. It's like, sure, technically all of your problems would derive from that as a result of creating you, but not necessarily because of its fault. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like we made choices that go against that. Anyway, I hope that that's yeah. understandable what I, I'm yeah, saying there. But that's, that, you get the idea. It's, it's a real real absurdity for people to say that you know sunlight is is causing cancer when the things we're doing are so much more predisposing us to cancer yeah yeah of course like that the evolution of us is is so powerful um so so oh yeah so we were talking about this so we have like the yellow glasses that yeah. we use we but those are specifically made to be indoors like so these are great for office workers yes. during the day right office and school are the two biggest office and school and the reason the difference between yellow and the red is that the yellow is allowing in a little bit more a lot of a more spectrum, of a the spectrum more. especially the green light because the green light. so 
green can affect our circadian rhythm, our melatonin production, but it isn't, there's no evidence that green is gonna actually damage our eyes and cause significant disruption. Whereas blue is a much higher energy. That's the virus exactly. when it's alone. Exactly, exactly. Okay. The virus when it's by itself without the immune system. So that's what you just wanna block entirely. Mm. I mean, you don't really need to block 100%, but the, the two main experts who we've worked with to you know, learn from about this uh, science, Dr. Wunsch and Dr. Cruz, mm. both advocate generally as much blue light protection as possible during the day. And that's what our yellow lenses achieve. Mm -hmm. And you'd use them again indoors during the day. Like for example, this is something that kind of trips people up. If I was on a screen right now, I wouldn't be wearing my own glasses because we're outside. And so we right. have the immune system, the infrared and near infrared mm -hmm. are protecting us. So me wearing the glasses would actually be a detriment while I'm outside and I can be capturing all for this sure. good light, yeah. you know? So it's really only when you're inside during the day is when you use the day glasses. And then the night glasses though, or also we'll call them sleep glasses on our new website, pretty soon we'll be switching them from day to screen glasses mm -hmm. and night to sleep glasses because it clarifies more. So screen glasses and sleep glasses mm -hmm. it clarifies more the actual yeah. usage. And so sleep glasses or sleep lenses. The orange ones. The orange ones. Okay. So you, they're much darker. You would use these once the sun actually goes down to kick yourself into sleep mode. It's really just that simple. And the cool thing people always ask is, can you use the yellow ones during the night and still get a benefit? And the answer is yes. You'll probably get 75% of the benefit. It's just that the night lenses give this extra kick that just makes you super tired. So essentially, if we're working in an office and then going home, we're going to be having glasses on all day. Yes. Like that would be the proper move yes. to to completely keep ourselves in a good spectrum and keeping our well, hormones going. Well, I would say that the proper move would be to actually go to outside, outside as much as you can. You know, like even five minute breaks once every hour or 15 minute breaks once every two hours, I would mm -hmm. say at minimum, just to get the light. And again, even Dr. Cruz always tells me, he's like, I, I, you know this, but you need to tell people how important it is to get the sun to really offset their risk. And so that's why I'm always focusing on teaching about the sun, because that's where the benefits are going to come from for people is starting to wake up in the morning earlier, getting the light exposure early in the morning, going to sleep earlier. You know, the two key steps of the light diet, step one is sleep with the sun and wear your glasses after the sun goes down. And step two is wake up and watch the sun rise. Mm -hmm. And then step three would be live outdoors during the day. And there's six other steps or five other steps of the but light But those diet, are the like most doable. But those are the most important like key takeaways for people. Okay, that's, so, that's like light diet stuff. That's, yeah. that's awesome. So uh, I, I actually would suggest that everyone get their hands on some glasses, especially if you're working on a computer all day that's crazy it's like and then and then you come home and you watch tv like the, you, you've got to make a move mm. to protect yourself and you've elucidated the importance of light and the eyes and the eyes being like one of the like keys to health the eyes mm. are like a key to health it is so is, funny there's literally a um a biblical verse i'm i'm very much a fan of the bible um just been learning about it as well as other ancient you know spiritual texts, mm -hmm. canonized texts of mm -hmm. wisdom. And so one of my favorite uh, quote, it's, it's in Matthew, which is where I'm named from, mm. of course, is um, if, if your eye is clear, then your whole body will be full of light. And if your eye is unclear, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And if mm. it is filled with that darkness, that darkness is very great, is basically how it's written. Interesting. And it, it's really interesting because this is some ancient wisdom, and yet they knew that someone knew that the eye is sort of the window to the soul, the window into the light inside of our body. And so, for example, in my 
evaluation, doing things like wearing even contacts, sunglasses, mm -hmm. um, not going outside, not getting the full spectrum of light. The internal light is going to be dimmed, you know, whereas when you're not doing those things, but we're getting outside, we're doing all that stuff, yeah. the internal light can be brighter. And there's, there's other stuff to, to touch on there, but I love that. You're right. The eye is sort of the it is. Window. It's a key. Now we sit like a key to health. Now I'm going to ask a question that I know a lot of people viewing and listening are, going to, are thinking, all right, well, what about from the months of October to February? I live in Wisconsin. How the hell am I going to get the sun? Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking that. So I looked, I like to look at our ancestors. Like for example, my ancestors being European, I don't know exactly your full heritage. I know you said Puerto Rican. Caribbean and South American. There you go. So my ancestors would have lived in a place with low sun for a, chunk, a good chunk of the year. And same with the Native Americans who lived in North America. So clearly, and we know as best as we can that those people were very robust, very healthy. I mean, they had low, uh, they had high mortality rates, but not from, uh, you know, cancer. Mm -hmm. They had it from getting eaten by an animal or by kill, getting killed in tribal mm -hmm. warfare, more likely. You know, so as far as chronic diseases, they were virtually unheard of. I mean, even in 1900, the chronic diseases that are killing people today were barely you know mm -hmm. heard of colon cancer is like the 36th leading cause of death mm -hmm. of of, uh, of all the cancers and general causes mm -hmm. of death and now it's one of the top mm -hmm. 10 or 15. Mm -hmm. and that's pretty that's not a genetic change when that goes from 36th leading cause of death to one of the top 10 or 15 in less than 150 years yeah so there's these environmental shifts that are happening which which i'd love to talk about but for people living in those environments know that it is possible to be a thriving robust human being with a low amount of sunlight like Norwegian Vikings for example you don't need a lot you just need the light and mm -hmm. so for example yes on a sunny day you can feel that energy yeah, a lot yeah. more right but if it's a cloudy day is it dark or is it light out during the light mm. hours of the day it's still light you know the light's still there and so I try to tell people like I'm talking about the light I'm not necessarily talking about the heat and the intensity of the sun that you feel when you're sunbathing just us being out now getting the light is uh -huh. actually impacting our physiology a lot just so it's I tell people like you know, okay, if people want to buy uh, our day lenses for working on their computer from home during coronavirus, cool. I'd rather everyone actually just go and work on their deck and you don't need my glasses for the day. You still need them at night because no one's getting rid of for the sure. artificial lights at night. But I actually don't really use my day glasses because I control my lighting Because you're outdoors. You're out outdoors. all the time. Yeah. But at night, you better believe, dude, <laughs> I literally wear these things every single night yeah. from the moment the sun goes down until the moment I go to sleep. Because unless I'm camping or I'm by myself, when I'm by myself, I have another toy that I didn't bring, but I use a little red headlamp, you know, like mm -hmm. a camping headlight that yeah. you put on, and it has a little red feature. Mm -hmm. I threw it on the other day with some new friends of mine, and they already know I'm kind of crazy, but mm -hmm. I threw it on. They're like, you're such a dork. I can't. Yeah, yeah. They're like, this is how you see at night. Oh, my gosh. Like, with the red light. Matt in the wild, I use this little red light to read, to walk around. I don't use any other lights. Mm. Um, that's the only time I wouldn't use my glasses. But even then, if I'm walking into the other room in my friend's house where I'm staying, I'm going to put the glasses on because he might have the lights on. He might have, the, I might open the For fridge. sure, the, the environment's not controlled. Yeah, so these are the, this, the night lenses for me are the key product. But again, the day lenses are a key, a key benefit where you can still get blue light protection during the day without nearly as much color distortion. And then you could use them at night if you're really sensitive to the darkness of the night lenses or if you really want to have a little bit more visual clarity. It's just, you're still gonna get, I'd say between 50 and 75% of the benefits, so. I yeah. love that, uh, no, I love that. So now we understand, like there, there's, we need to protect ourselves during the day and during the night, but understanding that even if it's cloudy and it's cold as hell in the middle yeah. of winter, it's literally the light, it's the exactly. day, daytime. It's the light, just getting outside. Like there was a good uh, study, and this is a bit older, there's so many good books, you know, the one I mentioned earlier, Super Science-y, but 
there's the book Light Medicine of the Future from that guy, Jacob Lieberman. And again, I recommend that one because of his work. He, it's a total tangent, but he'd help people heal emotional things mm-hmm. um, using certain colors. He would say, what does that, this color, mm-hmm. does it bring up a mm-hmm. sort of a emotional, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, little lock in your body? And he would help people work through that. And, and young, even kids, their, their vision would be restored just by working through that stuff. So, but anyhow, there's a book called Health and Light that's really great that looks into how light affects even the, the ratio of male to females born across a variety of species, just the light that those animals are exposed to because they affect the hormones and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that plants grow and develop, obviously people aren't foreign to that concept, but um, so there's some really, really interesting stuff around this whole field. I, I love this part. It's, about. For me in the, in the like hierarchy of health, I would say sun comes even before diet. Even though the diet's gonna be protected protective against mm-hmm. sun, I would focus more on exposure to nature, exposure to light, exposure to sun, than I would going, all right, look, just eat some vegetables, eat some fruit, make sure you're getting a good diet, but don't go crazy on that. Go more crazy and making sure you're getting sun exposure. Absolutely. The, yeah. Seriously, because think about how we evolved and like all of those signals that the sun's giving us, food is going to give us that too. But, and this is going to bring me to my next point, you're very much so aware of that those those studies that are coming out that are showing that literally sun may be able to have a hand in creating energy for us like like food so Dude. can you can you say that the sun is sort of like food for us i'm so glad you took this there so it's very very beautifully put and what i tell people my favorite analogy to explain the light diet is that our body is like a car so you have an engine and then you have a fuel tank and fuel that goes into the car. And that's what we have. We have our cellular engines. Now we have hundreds of trillions of them because there's out of a say 50 to 100 trillion adult human cells, you have about a thousand mitochondria per cell. Apparently based on the, the data, we're 30% mitochondria by weight. You know, we're largely water, but a lot of that water is within the mitochondria because they make up such a large volume of every cell because they're just a bunch of folded inner membranes. Mm-hmm. I mean, a thousand of them in each of the human cells. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The human cells are pretty small. Mm-hmm. Mitochondria are a lot smaller because they're the size of bacteria. Anyhow, so we eat our food, which is our fuel, just like a car eats its gasoline, you know, takes it in. Um, the analogy is very striking because just like cars burn a hydrogen-based fuel, like gasoline, with oxygen from the air, we do the same thing. We burn hydrogen-based fuel, which is food. It's hydrogen-based, just like all organic living mm-hmm. organisms, and we react it with the oxygen that we breathe. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Good chance yeah. for me to take a little breath. Uh. And we make water, just like a car engine re- makes mm-hmm. water, and then the car it evaporates just like a fire as well, and then that releases a ton of energy. And so if, for example, that car engine had worn down spark plugs because you haven't taken to the, it to the mechanic, you go in, let's say you're driving your car, you start it up, and it's blowing black smoke. It won't accelerate. You're not able to go down the street and get where you need to go. And you say, well, maybe it's the regular gas that I've been putting in. Maybe I need some premium and I need some fuel additives to clean it out, right? So you go to the gas station, you fill up, and you try to drive off the lot, and you're stuck. It's like you're blowing black smoke. It's mm-hmm. not all working, right? And then all of a sudden, you're again, the same thing's happening, and you're like, well, I put in premium gas now, so why am I still blowing black smoke? Why isn't it working? You go to the mechanic, the mechanic says, oh, well, your spark plugs are worn out. So you could put in the best diet, the best premium fuel, but it's not fixing the broken engine. And so 
you fix the spark plugs and then the problem solved and you can go back to even regular and you're still better off than you were before. So to your point, it's very, very accurate because light is what optimizes our mitochondria, our circadian rhythm, the melatonin, the sunlight exposure during the day, the red and infrared that we haven't talked about, which is to your point that you just brought up, we're going to hit that really hard. Red and infrared optimize mitochondrial energy production. And so when you get that light, you could eat a lower quality diet. Yeah. You could even eat. I mean, there's, let's just face the facts. There are a lot of people we know, we both know who eat shit on a shingle, mm -hmm. they eat crap and they're still okay. I mean, maybe it'll catch up with them when they get 40, 50, For 60, sure. but there's this really interesting sort of paradox and it really can be easily explained when you look at how well does someone's cellular engines work. If they work really well, dude, you could pretty much do anything. Like this guy I told you about before, Hunter, this tough mutter. I mean, we were on this mountain hike. He was pounding like gas station brownies. And I uh -huh. was like, what? Uh -huh. But dude, the guy's such a beast. His engines are on point that maybe until he's 50 or 60, that eating wouldn't even catch up with him. So it's a great, it's a great point and it couldn't be more accurate. You know, mm -hmm. you can't fix a broken, a broken spark plugs, broken ignition system with premium gas. You can't fix the effects of an indoor lifestyle in our mitochondria with just food alone. You have to fix the light that caused the problem, right? So, um, really interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to hit on how food can be almost unnecessary in a sense when we were getting an adequate amount of light. So, I experienced this myself. I get so much sun that I really do not need to eat more than one meal a day. Like, it's, I mean, I do sometimes almost to my own uh, detriment because I just like food, but then I'll feel a little heavy. But it's like when you're getting light, the red and infrared has been shown to actually help the body to produce ATP, to help uh, spin the ATPase, which is basically, you know, science speak for making energy and mm -hmm. converting energy from one source into a useful energy in our body, right? And that happens just from red and infrared light. And what's really interesting, and again, this is something Dr. Cruz kind of puts together in a super scientific way, but ultraviolet light actually stimulates you know the release of nitric oxide in the body and nitric oxide actually inhibits energy production and inhibits the uh, cytochrome c oxidase part mm -hmm. of the mitochondrial energy production setup and so in doing so you would think oh my gosh sunlight is really toxic because it helps us make nitric oxide and nitric oxide inhibits uh energy production in the mitochondria but it's because we're turning off the input from food of food electrons down the mitochondrial chain and literally just getting free energy from the sun. Mm -hmm. It's like in the summer, we can pretty much live off sunlight. Now, yes, you might still want to eat a meal a day or, but for example, I know one of, uh, one of Dr. Cruz's members in his little tribe and he practices all these ideas. He's a bit older. He's in his forties, which shows that even older people could do this stuff, but he eats two to three times a week maximum. Wow. He just doesn't need to Whoa. eat. It's just like the idea of breath, breatharianism. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that. I mean, this guy, but he isn't like doing prana and all this stuff, you know, right. exercises all the time, pranayama. He's just in the sun, sleeps the second the sun goes down, they go to sleep. Like whether wow. it's 6.30 in the winter wow. or 9.30 in the summer, sun goes down, they go to sleep. Because he's, he's, re he's a freaking uh, telecom executive in a telecommunications company that does fiber optic cabling in New York City. And so he's a freaking genius and he lives in Florida. And again, he, and in fact, it's really interesting because this guy is the guy who 
his fiber company does all the fiber for the Department of Transportation. So every street light in all of New York City and all of Manhattan is run on his fiber. And you know, you're from New York City, right? Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so all those street lights. It's are a lot of street lights. Fiber. It's a lot of street lights, and they're all run on his fiber. So he's really smart, and he's gone into the science so much, and it's like, oh, it makes sense. When the lights out, our body's being powered, so you stay awake. When the light goes away, you go to sleep. Now I don't quite go that far, shall mm -hmm. we say? Like. I, can, I feel that it does make sense naturally that the sun sets and you have a two to three hour period of winding down. For sure. But, you know, if you did get really, really tight, especially if you have an illness, going to sleep the moment the sun goes down or shortly thereafter, whether it's, again, it could be five or six in the summer, it could be seven or eight or nine or 10, mm -hmm. I should say in the winter, seven or eight or nine or 10 in the summer, like that can be really powerful. And then getting up, naturally, you'll start to wake up one or two hours even before the sun comes up. And that's, for me, a great time to meditate. Um, and you can get the light when it comes up, be outside all day. And to that. me, that's super powerful. So yes, we can make energy from sun. We don't even make energy. We're just taking free energy and utilizing it, but it's going to require, you know, at least having other things dialed in, like having maybe a decent enough uh, supply of nutrients in your diet. Mm -hmm. So you can assimilate the light, not drinking. This is another step of the light diet. This is step four right after live outdoors during the day is uh, drink unfluoridated water. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to drink water, drink I not talk crap, about that, you know, because that's where we're assimilating the light. So it's a really good thing you brought it's, up. It's I'm great. glad you brought that yeah, up. Yeah, in my professional career, learning that the, like literally the sun may be able to give us a rudimentary form of energy, like food. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me I could be in the sun all day and not and eat less food? Which is incredible to think about because, you know, food does have a burden on our body, you know. and It does. And those who do eat essentially for like rule of thumb, those who eat less calories live longer. Exactly. But think about what that means. So that means sunlight is energy that is, it's energy separated from mass. Like when you're dealing with food, you're getting mass and you have to do Convert all this, it into energy. Exactly. You have to break the energy out of the mass, which requires a lot of biological energy. It requires you to burn through like NADH mm -hmm. and using physiological substrates, which we are designed to use and utilize. But if you can just do it with sunlight, it's, it's basically people talk about calorie restriction, like sunlight is natural calorie restriction. Oof. And, but the cool thing is you don't have to try when you go in the sun, you start doing this. Like, dude, it's so hard how, to explain. How I just don't want to eat. Yeah. How wild would it be if we like set up a retreat center where we have people with chronic diseases going onto a circadian flow and also reduction in calories, but the calories they do eat are calorie dense, a really good, strong yeah, nutrient, nutrient yeah, dense, exactly. nutrient dense, not calorie dense. <laughs> and then out in the sun. And that would be sun. legendary. So, well, like, you got to talk to Justin because he was talking about doing something yeah. like that in Costa Rica. So That'd Katie be really dope. That could be awesome. So, dude, we can talk for you. we can talk for like two hours. I know we can. Um, I'd love to have you back to go like deeper into this stuff. Um, where do we find you? Well, can I can I throw in one more point that I of think course. you'd like? So, I think for everyone listening, when we talk about this stuff, it's easy for people to get into like a fear mindset, like, oh, I need to, you know, for people who who it doesn't flow with their lifestyle right now. Right. And I would say that's. Uh, both a good stimulus if, if someone's getting a little bit of a, a fear stimulus like okay I should do something but don't let it persist either take action or decide that you're not going to take action and live with that you know what I mean do something either act or don't act but make that decision do it make the changes you can and make the moves that you can to set yourself up to be able to have that lifestyle even if it means working on your entrepreneurial business now that mm -hmm. 10 years from now you're going to be able to do what you want and be free mm -hmm. and outdoors but um Joe Dispenza, I wanted to mention, because just generally meditation and spiritual work, all the stuff we're talking about is the physical external light work, but I've learned very intimately from my own experience, and I'm sure you have experienced mm -hmm. all this yourself, if I am not taking care of my own inner light, you know, doing that work, 
I, it was so easy to get sucked into thinking, oh, if I'm in sunlight, then I'm going to be happy. And if, if I'm in artificial light, then I'd be like freaking out. It's like, no, it doesn't have to be like that. Like we get this inner light. We have this inner light that we can also cultivate. You know, in yoga, they talk about this bright white light above your head that you can actually pull that down and yeah. take advantage of that, strengthening your aura. So as much as people should be doing this stuff, I highly recommend people focus on that because you can't really have one without the other, in my opinion. But also, again, to all the people who do the spiritual work, so many people still live an indoor lifestyle. They don't get sun. They're afraid of the sun. Yeah. Less so than the modern, than the majority of people. Mm -hmm. They're more open-minded, but you get the idea. So really critical for people. And that's going to maximize all the effects, just like food and exercise can be maximized by optimizing your light. I believe our external light stuff, our external light diet can be optimized by maximizing and optimizing our inner light through Beautiful. those really hard practices. Beautiful yeah. way to end that. Okay, so how do we find Thank you? you? So on Instagram, personally, the light diet, but where we're starting to put a, a bunch more content is raw optics. RA. Raw optics. So it's RA optics. So okay. anyone, it's not R-A-W, no. not like raw, it's raw, like the sun god. That's yeah, like why the sun god, yeah. yeah. And so it's raw underscore optics, and then rawoptics.com is mm -hmm. our website where people can find us, and we'll get you a discount so that your whole audience can use Yeah, it so when we do the show, glasses. I'll put it out there for you all, um, for who are listening and watching, we'll do the discount, cool. so because... You, I have the glasses. I use them. You gifted me the night one. Oh, so course. now I'm getting, uh, now I'm switching from like really boring old man looking night ones to something a little more stylish. Like, yeah. A little bit still... more. Uh, 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 I like that. Up my alley. Styling, my man. All right, brother. Thank you for coming. And again, we'll have you on next. Anytime, uh, soon, brother. brother. All right. Super cool. I was not lying when I told you that Matt was gonna come with fire and he absolutely did. There's some things that I had no idea about in there. So God bless him for teaching so much for us. It's such a beautiful thing to know that nature is designed with us. We evolved with nature and we can optimize our health. So you all heard that. Get outside, let the sun hit your eyes, let the sun hit your skin, follow the rhythms of the world and see if your health improves, all right? Thank you for coming to the show and listening. I really value your time and I appreciate it so much. We try to dense it up, condense it up with all the information. I truly do love you all. Thank you.